This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well. Thanks to this episode's sponsor, LLC, TLC. They are just doing an incredible job saving you money on your registration. Be sure to register your vehicles, airplanes, boats, street legal, side-by-sides, and trailers to your own Montana LLC, and you will pay $0 in sales tax. So go to LLCTLC.com for more information. All right, welcome to the Collective Car Podcast. Hey, it's Greg Stanley. I have got a lot of fun stuff, a lot of surprising things that happened at Monterey Car Week with just a few days ago, and I am still on the road. I am actually visiting relatives up in the Seattle area, so I am doing this from their basement. So please excuse any differences in the sound quality. Who knows, maybe it's even better. So Monterey was incredible. Once in a lifetime event, specifically for me, because I'll tell you why in just a second here. But I did want to cover 25 surprising things that happened during Monterey, including some results. Now, I think uh, it's a lot more than 25, but I'm going to run through these pretty quick. But uh, it was quite an eventful week, honestly. I came in on Monday. The auction kicked off on Thursday for Arm Sotheby's. And the biggest surprise, which if you've been listening to my podcast for a while here is that Arm Sotheby's announced the historic sale of a 1962 Ferrari 250 GTO, which will be the most expensive car ever to sell at a public auction. Actually, I think the opening bid will be a record price. And uh, I will do much more in-depth on this next episode. So the next episode will be a deep dive into why this GTO is so special. Every GTO is special. This one in particular is very special. So stay tuned. I am super thrilled. I consigned this car to Arm Sotheby's, and so I am super thrilled to be the representing car specialist for this historic sale. So if you are not already uh, following my YouTube channel, please uh, do so. If you're not on my Insider Access e-blast to this historic sale, please shoot me a note, greg at thecollectedcarpodcast.com or gstanley at rmsotheby's.com. As the consigning car specialist, I am going to give you a once in a lifetime sneak peek. I already have a bunch of short videos showing this car. Uh, As it's being filmed, you see me in a minivan with three other camera people filming this car down the back roads. Uh, Just really, really cool. A lot of fun. I did drive the car the other day. It was actually about 4.30 in the morning. Uh, We were driving it from the hauler, which had been circling the Monterey area for a little while unloaded it at 4.30 in the morning, trying to sneak it into the convention center so that nobody knew this car was on the peninsula. And we did have one guy out there filming at 4.30 in the morning. We asked him, please don't share this until after the announcement. And I say I drove it. I did, but the car was not actually turned on. And I was being pulled by a golf cart because we didn't want to wake anyone up and alert them to this incredibly car, incredibly iconic car being uh, on the peninsula, like I said before. So uh, check that out. There will be more driving videos. I was the passenger numerous times, some really good shots or fun shots. I wouldn't say good, but fun shots. And I will be driving it in a few weeks, which obviously I want to get that on camera because how often can you say you drove a 70, $80 million car? Not very uh, often. And before I go any further, be sure to check out RM Sotheby's website because they have this incredible, multiple cool videos of this iconic car tearing down the country roads. And 
be sure you hit the link to learn more because there is this don't blink video. Turn up the, the uh, speakers on your computer or put it through your sound system at home. It is a really well done uh, video. They wanted to do something outside of the regular car space and hired an outside marketing firm that just knocked it out of the park. It, it gives me chills every time I watch it. And the fact that I was there while they filmed it helped them out uh, and filmed some or, you know, did the behind the scenes filming of it was so much fun. So you definitely have to check that out. Now, one of the other surprising things about uh, Monterey Car Week is that none of uh, the competition actually knew that this car was on the island. I have some old co-workers over at another auction house that had no clue. I ran into some of the Bonham folks as they came up to see the car, which was on display in the lobby, and they told me they had no clue. I talked to Simon Kitson. He had no clue. He was like, hey, bravo for you know, announcing this car, and no one had a heads up about it, which was Super stressful for me, uh, not giving it up. <laughs> so uh, I do, I, I am very proud of Arm Sotheby's for doing such a great job on that. All right, uh, the next surprising thing that happened at Monterey is I actually got into Casa Ferrari. So if you're not familiar with Casa Ferrari, it's right near the entrance to Pebble Beach. Uh, and I was invited because we actually had some meetings uh, in Casa Ferrari uh, with some really high up folks to talk about the GTO sale. And that was really cool. Basically, it's a really nice house and you can walk in there and they have, you know, um, different funky drinks if you want, lunch. And the lunch was fantastic, breakfast, all that kind of stuff. Some cool cars. It was a really cool uh, Testarossa in the lobby. If you're following me on Instagram, I did a uh, hashtag Ferrari, hashtag fire because the fireplace was on behind it, which was kind of cool. Uh, pretty cool. And then outside of that, they had the on the lawn, they had a Ferrari show that was really well put together. And that part was free. So if you're going up to Pebble Beach, you could actually go to this incredible Ferrari show without having to spend a dime, which is very unusual for the weekend. So that was very, very cool. Uh, let's see. The next thing that was cool is I actually went to dinner at the Baja Catina and Grill. Now, this is, I believe it's near Laguna Seca. And I say that was cool because I met previous podcast uh, guest Tim McNair there just to have a drink. And as I was there, uh, GTO owner um, Nick Mason actually uh, was there. And I didn't get a meet him or anything. I just happened to see him walk out. So that was something surprising that happened at Monterey. And now I want to go into the cars uh, that were surprising at Monterey. So I guess overall, I would say the results were good across pretty much all the auction houses. They were a little... If anything, I'd say a little flat. A lot of the cars, with a few exceptions, uh, either hit low estimate or slightly below low estimate. So I think things have definitely cooled off, but the big cars are definitely bringing big money. Uh, the Probably one of the, I don't want to say big surprises, but one of the cool surprises was the barn find Ferraris from RM Sotheby's. Uh, those sold pretty well. There were some that sold underestimate, some that sold above estimate. And the one I'm pulling up right now, these are some period race pictures here, is the most famous one that was for sale of the barn fine Ferraris. One of the most expensive, the 1954 Ferrari 500 Mondial Spider. Estimate was 1.2 to 1.6, and it sold for almost $1.9 million. Now, why is that significant? Because if you look at the pictures, you'll see that this thing is a rusted, banged up, tossed around, hulk of a car. It's hard to believe this thing is even salvageable, 
but it is, and it's worth uh, sold for $1.9 million, $1.87 million all in. Now you're asking yourself, well, why is this, is this possibly worth it? Well, I was talking to a Ferrari expert and they said, well, if you get it for 1.8, 1.9, you do a million dollar restoration, you're in, at, in it for 2.9, three million dollars, which is honestly what it would probably be worth. Typical, typically these are worth around $4 million, but because the condition prior to restoration is known and it's known as being incredibly rough, uh, that would probably have a million dollar hit on the value of the car when it is done. So very cool to see that one sell. A couple others that caught me by surprise. I love this one, 1965 Ferrari 275 GTB 6C alloy. Estimate was two to 2.5 sold for $3.3 million. Now, this is one I mentioned on the last podcast, uh, which I loved it, and I know I brought up a lot of these cars, but this one uh, is very cool, very special with the alloy aspect to it. Uh, paid all the money for it. You know, I'd say, hey, you know, spend another million dollars, you could have had one already restored. Uh, so that was a surprising result. Another one is this Tour de France. Let's see, 1956 Ferrari 410. I'm sorry, Super America Coupe, 1.6 to 2.2, sold for 2.8. Now I knew this one was going to go pretty big because I had a couple Ferrari experts, including a previous guest, Tom uh, Young, on this, uh, talking about this, looking at it for a client, and there was a couple other folks that inquired about it. And I knew if they were asking me about it, they were asking some of the other car specialists about it. So I knew there would be a lot of activity on this car and it definitely uh, showed up that way. All right, the next one that surprised me. Now I knew actually, it surprised me only in that it went above what I thought it would. This little three-wheeled car called the 1959 Frisky Convertible Special, the, the estimate was 30 to $40,000 sold for $84,000. Now, I was not surprised it sold big. So if you have something cute and quirky that people don't typically see at a sale such as Scottsdale, Amelia, or Monterey, it could double in price. So this one, I called it at $62,000. Uh, it went for 84. So this was surprising. Not that it sold big, but it sold for a lot higher price than I thought it would. I thought I was shooting for the stars and it exceeded that. All right, let's see what else was surprising. Yes, the Singer and the Gunther Works Porsche 911s. Now the Singer, that one was very interesting. So just for a little bit of background, this is a 1991 911, uh, 950 to 1.25 million and it sold for 1.4. So when you go to an auction, the car specialists have a meeting ahead of time to find out or gauge interest level on the car. So, you know, if you have zero interest, you want to call your your clients that might be interested in a car to give them a heads up to try to get some activity on these cars. Well, as I'm in the meeting, a lot of, a lot of the cars had one, two, or three uh, potential folks interested, whether it was an absentee bid, whether it was a phone bid, uh, or general inquiries, or there would be someone in the room that wanted to bid on it. Well, this particular car had seven. It was by far the most interest at least on that day of any of the cars that we talked about and it does show in the results now what's interesting is the gunther works car which is much uh quite different it's not as refined uh, meaning that uh, it sounds more like a muscle car than a porsche maybe this is a 1997 estimate was 1.1 to 1.3 sold for 1.5 
definitely more, uh, a little bit more of a beast of a Porsche, which is great. This one uh, did tremendously well. It's pretty cool. I uh, heard this thing fire up a couple times as it was moved around, and it sounded absolutely amazing. So both of those cars were surprising to me in their results and in so far as how much they overachieved uh, high estimate. All right, next we've got, this was one from our previous podcast with Evan Schoen, one of his cars that he's representing. 2002 Ferrari 488 uh, Pista Pilotti Ferrari. This is one that was offered to uh, folks that were in the racing program. So pretty rare, I forgot the number of these. Uh, let's see, anyways, pretty rare. I can't remember how many, but this one overachieved, 475 to 550, it sold for 995. So this one almost doubled the high estimate. And Evan was right on when he was talking about a future collectible, get it now while you can. This one really knocked it out of the park. Uh, I would say it's on <laughs> bought for a very high price. I don't know that the new owner will be recouping uh, their cost anytime soon, but it is a truly beautiful Ferrari, modern Ferrari, that is rare and limited. So what more could you ask for from that? All right, the next one, this is more about original cars that were in RM Sotheby's sale. Uh, the first one is this 1979 Porsche 911 Turbo. Estimate was 300 to 400, sold for 450. And I sat in this car for a client and it was like a time capsule, 181 miles or something super low. Beautiful, original, the doors shut like a bank vault as you would expect from a Porsche. Great color combination. There was a couple little stains on the headliner, not from anything other than age and maybe the conditions in which it was stored. Uh, nothing really to be concerned about, but an absolutely stunning, beautiful car that overachieved high estimates. Now, so you don't think I'm only calling out cars that oversold, I am going to call out some cars that undersold or did not sell here shortly. All right, the next one, one of my favorite cars at the sale, a 1966 Shelby GT350, but not any 66. This is one of the carryover cars, meaning that there were 1965 cars that they uh, moved into 1966. So there were some aspects of these cars that were still 1965, including this one has the rear Krager wheels on it. Uh, the rear uh, brake duct cooling were, were functional. They has the rear seat delete like the 65s. So this is truly the most desirable 66 model to have. And this one was fascinating because it was unrestored. And I was told that Kurt at Cobra Automotive once stated this was the most original 66 Shelby he has ever seen, which is high praise. And this one, let's see, it sold right at high estimate, $350,000. This is one I did float out to a couple of my clients who are all about original cars. And uh, I think this one probably should have brought a little bit more, but uh, it is stunning and beautiful. And what's so interesting is this one, when you would shut the door, it sounded like a bank vault, which is, you never hear that on a Mustang. My Mustang I put home, when I shut the door, it just sounds like a tin can, tin can on tin can practically, which is what I'm used to hearing. So when I heard the way this one shut, you just know, you know immediately this one had never been taken apart before. All right, next, we did have a gorgeous 959 that also was another unrestored car that was quite pristine. All right, cars that did not sell that were pretty big hitters. This one, the 2001 Ferrari 550 Marinello Pro Drive. Estimate was 8 million to 9.5. This one did not sell. Now, this one is stunning. Went to Le Mans five times, podium finish. 
uh, really everything you want. It is the modern day equivalent of the Ferrari GTO that we talked about earlier that are now $70 million cars. I think this one is a very high investment grade car. Uh, what I think is holding this car back is that you cannot drive it on the street. So you think about the Ferrari GTOs from the 60s, you know, people had those as everyday drivers. If you can't just, you know, start it up and drive it on the street to the local car cruising, that definitely hits it from an appeal perspective. So beautiful, iconic, incredible car, which is amazing history, definitely a blue chip investment. Uh, but I don't think it will get up to those uh, high marks as the original GTO just because of the usability factor. All right, the big car, another big car that did not sell was this 1955 Jaguar D-Type, 4.5 to 5.5 million. Stunning, beautiful car. Sometimes you just don't have the right buyers in the room or on the phone uh, for these incredible cars to sell. All right, and the big one that didn't sell. Now, I thought there would have been a deal done by the time I recorded this. Not yet, I expect something soon. It's the big car, 1964 Ferrari 250LM, 18 to $20 million. I know there were some folks on this car um, I would, I'm honestly really surprised it did not sell by Sunday night. So uh, if you're someone who would like to have one of these cars, <laughs> please reach out to RM Sotheby's. I bet they would be happy to make a deal with you. Incredible, beautiful car. All right, next, the one of the big ones that did sell was the XKSS. So this is the 1957 Jaguar XKSS, 12 to $14 million. Uh, let's see, it sold for $13 million, $13.2 million. Just stunning, beautiful, incredible car. I've always loved these. They're a little stumpy, you know, as far as the how long they are and such, but they are super, super cool. Uh, I'm going to go over to Mecham. Actually, before we go to Mecham, I do want to say a couple other not cool things that happened that were surprising. I met uh, Spike Ferriston, Johnny Lieberman, and Zuckerman from one of my favorite podcasts, uh, Spike's car radio. So that was really cool. Um, I also got a chance to look at the new Lamborghini that was announced as well as the Mustang GTD, which where does Mustang GTD come from? It's like Porsche GT3. So for Porsche, GT3 talks about the racing series in which they're involved with. For Mustang, it's the GTD racing series. And now that's a $300,000 Mustang that is apparently pretty much uh, sold out. The other thing that was really cool uh, was that my poker chips were a huge success. Now, if you haven't seen these yet, uh, please, uh, when you see me at a show, please ask for them. It will have all the behind the scenes video of the big Ferrari 250 GTO sale. What was really cool is Rob Myers, who runs RM Sotheby's, he liked them so much. We met with the president of Ferrari North America, Matteo, and uh, Rob asked for a few more of those poker chips and he gave one to Mateo and all the head honchos at Ferrari. So I thought that was really cool. Anyways, super, super cool stuff. All right, let's get back to Mecham here. So Mecham had some cars that I found very interesting. So I, I mentioned them on the previous podcast. There were four cars in particular. I'm gonna highlight three of them now. None of the four cars sold. Now these are cars, just for a little transparency, should have gone to RM Sotheby's Amelia Island sale. They did not. They Meekum got them for their Kissimmee sale, which is a great place to sell muscle cars. It's a horrible place to sell high-priced European cars. And this just shows that all four of these cars were no sale at Kissimmee. All four of these cars were no sale at Monterey. 
the first one here is this 1959 BMW 507 Roadster. Uh, just a stunning, beautiful car. I won't spend too much time because I talked about it on the last podcast. The next one was the one I was really curious about. And unfortunately, I did not get a chance to go to Mecham to check it out. It's the 275 GTB that uh, when I last saw it was red and now it's black, it's original color. And I was trying to see if they fixed the roof appropriately and it looks like they did based on the pictures that I've seen. So that was a no sale. And the third one I wanted to highlight, actually I just skipped it. Third one I wanted to highlight was one of these Porsches. Now I said there were three of these factory Porsches on the island that um, are tough to sell. And the one that Mecham had did not sell, 1959 Porsche 718 RSK center seat uh, for $3.5 million. It did not sell. RM Sotheby's had a 550 version. So RM Sotheby's had the 1956 Porsche 550A prototype Lamaze work coupe, 5.5 to 7.5. And it did sell after the auction. I don't know the exact price, but it did sell. And the third one, I honestly can't find. I thought it was a bright arrow car. It's not on their site. It's not on Gooding's site. It's not on Bonham's site. So I'm not quite sure what happened to that car. The last car I want to highlight from Mecham, just because it's a next generation thing, is the 1969 Datsun Fairlady Z432, sold for $297,000. I don't recall what the estimate was, but I don't think it was that high. So that sold very strong, which is very interesting considering that is the next generation collector looking at these JDM cars. So that was very interesting to see that go. All right, over at Gooding, I did want to follow up on this uh, Brass Air car, 1914 Mercer Type 35J race about. This one, big car, big money, it sold high. I forgot the estimate, but it sold for, yeah, estimate was three to $4 million. It sold for almost 4.8. So when people say Brass Air cars are dying, uh, here's an example where they are not. This one actually overachieved high estimate, which was really, really cool. Uh, let's see, Gooding did sell their big Ferrari, the 250 GT, 1962. The estimate was $9 to $11 million, sold for about 9.5. Absolutely stunning, beautiful car. And then I did want to call out a car from Broad Arrow we talked about last week, the one I was in love with, the 1991 Isdera Imperator 108i. Now, this is the going supercar looking beast that has a Mercedes V8 engine in the back and a Mercedes uh, badge on the grill. I think it's an incredible, beautiful car. Only 30 examples built. Uh, I think they're asking $825,000. I forgot what the estimate was. I know the high estimate was over a million dollars. Surprise that one did not sell. Now Bonhams did have hit one out of the park. Uh, they had this incredible 1967 Ferrari 412P. Uh, Glickenhaus car. Uh, the estimate on this one I heard ahead of time was $40 million and it hammered at 27. So all in, it hammered at $30,255,000. You know, I don't know really what to think about that. You would say if it's $40 million car and it sells for 30, uh, that's a horrible result. But as I talked to more people, they said that that was the right number for the car considering the condition, the provenance, all that kind of stuff. So it sounds like it sold just right. All right. Well, that is it for the Collected Car Podcast for this episode. As always, thanks for listening and thanks for watching. Stay tuned. Check out the 250 GTO videos. Watch the watch my YouTube channel. I'll send you all sorts of cool behind the scenes stuff. And if you're not on my e-blast, 
shoot me a note, gstanley at armstuffthebees.com or greg at thecollectorcarpodcast.com, and I will talk to all of you next week. Thanks for listening to the Collector Car Podcast. Don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes and be sure to follow us on Instagram and everywhere else at the Collector Car Podcast. Collector Car Podcast.